a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Greetings, programs, and welcome to another episode of the Screen Heroes Podcast. I am your regular host, Derek, and I have with me my two lovely, regular isomorph hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. What up? What up indeed. This week, we are looking back at 10 years of Tron Legacy, which I'm sure will probably include some conversation about the original film as well. And before we do that, we will be talking some news in the entertainment world. And then at the tail end of the show, we will be discussing last week's episode of The Mandalorian. We started this kind of new segment and new format to the show last week. So we'll talk maybe 15, 20 minutes on the Mandalorian at the tail end of this week's episode. So there you go. There you have it. All right. Well, let's talk news. Let's talk entertainment news and things going on. Last week, we were talking about Wonder Woman 1984 and how it was basically the last movie left sitting in 2020 of any real note with um, uh, new guy and um, a couple other movies pushing. Well, before our episode even released, Warner Brothers came out and surprised a lot of people by saying that Wonder Woman 1984 would still be releasing on Christmas Day in theaters where available. And simultaneously, it will be available on HBO Max Christmas Day. No extra fee, just an HBO Max subscription. Important note, it's only for a month. It's for 30 days. Apparently after that, it leaves HBO Max for a while and goes to VOD. So I'm sure that's a contractual thing with VOD services that they have in place already. But that is happening. Now, to match that, Monster Hunter has moved up. They had pushed to 2021. Now they are releasing on Christmas Day as well. So guys, thoughts on any of that silliness? It's about time. I 
they've pushed this movie so many times. It's just, you know, it, this should have happened a while ago. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we all kind of hoped it was coming, but didn't know that it would be quite in this format. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about it. I already paid an HBO Max subscription, so it's nice to be able to see a new movie. And one of the big studios had to take the plunge, right? We don't know when COVID is going to be over. At some point, one of them was going to have to do it. And Warner Brothers mm-hmm. uh, decided to be the first one, and that may work out. It may not. But uh, if you follow Patty Jenkins on anything, she wrote a letter to people and it seems not happy that this is the case uh, And in the past. She said that there's no possible way that Wonder Woman would ever release on a streaming service or something along those lines. And uh, yeah, she definitely seems unhappy. I don't think this was a decision that uh, she had much input in. So she's encouraging people to go to theaters if possible, basically. Yeah, it's a tight line to walk because clearly she doesn't want to just speak out against the studio, right? Like you don't do that. That's a bad, that's a good way to get yourself blackballed, but she clearly has a problem with movies like this going straight to video or straight to a streaming service as it were. I'm, I understand that in a normal world. I totally do. I I absolutely get it because historically, if your movie was a straight to video kind of movie, that meant it was probably pretty terrible. Right. Um, with a few notable exceptions. This is obviously different. It's a very different world. And to make things more interesting, Disney hasn't budged on Black Widow. There's yet. Even, not yet, but there's even rumors that when they do budge, it'll still be a premium uh, charge like they did with Mulan. I guess we'll see. I mean, I think, I don't know if HBO Max publicly releases their uh, viewing numbers, but I mean, I think they'll probably be waiting to see how people, you know, how the reception is for being able to stream it in their homes. So um, we probably won't hear anything from Disney until January at the earliest, I imagine. That's a good point. Ray, any other thoughts? Well, clearly the two of companies were just you know waiting and waiting and waiting to see who moves first and however wonder woman makes its money is going to largely affect what disney does with black widow shang chi and the eternals and i know they're all hoping that COVID goes away but that's not the case patty johnson encouraging people to go to theaters and see this movie on christmas is very inappropriate it's incredibly irresponsible and as an artist i understand that she made this for the big screen that she mapped out shots to be on the big screen and that is incredibly important but this is a world that we're in and we have to continue on really if anyone's to blame it's the people in america that don't take covid seriously there's still quite a few countries that are also struggling with it, but there's also a few that have succeeded in uh, lowering it and their lockdowns are over. So they'll get to enjoy it in theaters. People will still get to see it, but encouraging Americans to do it, it's not cool. Yeah, and I mean like 700 or so us based theaters closed down starting today 
uh, or yesterday that is Monday. And so, you know, there may not be a place to go see it in our country anyway. So it may be a moot point. And at the end of the day, there may not be any, any choices. Mm -hmm. I, for one, am glad that they decided to roll it into HBO max and just not have a premium tag attached to it. I'm sure that's a calculated move to try and get people signed up, which makes sense. And I'm looking forward to seeing something big and new at the end of the year. Yeah, from the DCEU. I mean, that's uh, Derek's admittedly always been a DC fan, a bigger fan than Marvel in general. And, uh, you know, so for you, you especially to get brand new DC, you know, tentpole type content, uh, it's a big deal. You know, Doom Patrol is great, but it's oh, yeah. still small, small screen, you know, stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. 100%. And so, you know, right now I'm feeling good about what Warner Brothers has has been doing with DC Entertainment and their products. You know, the Wonder Woman coming to the streaming service, the way the Snyder Cut's being handled. There's some really crazy rumors about Justice League that have come out this week about how they want it to be a trilogy now, which before it was only supposed to be two films to begin with and then became one. And now is this four-part miniseries and now there's rumors of a trilogy again i don't know do a trilogy when one of the movies is a four-part miniseries i assume they mean like the four-hour cut that i'm sure will be released when the four quote so there's going to be a 12-hour uh justice league marathon for people like you to just like crap yourselves (laughs) for 12 hours straight yeah you know once a year you do lord of the rings and then once a year you do the justice league Mm. (laughs) i'm gonna be sick that day Uh, that's more that's that's a tough day that's a tough day (laughs) long day man all right so moving on ray tell us about the macy's thanksgiving day parade all right so covid you know it's fucked up everything including the parade and uh they worked with the city and state of new york and basically they're just flying balloons this year so there'll still be minimal crews and it'll still be live on tv um all this week they've been doing stuff they've had their marching bands uh of course they're not actually marching anywhere but their own home and you know everybody is doing things remotely and sending in videos so macy's have been showing those all week long and now uh, on thursday they'll just have balloons and if you go to their website they've been showing a bunch of the new balloons this year so if that's something you're into every year you look forward to it cool you're still gonna see stuff but uh it's not gonna be the same guys so don't expect it to be the same and don't get mad the world is what it is right now. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. I've never been big on the Macy's Day Parade, but I I guess this is good for people who want to see Pikachu for the 20th year in a row. I saw that Pikachu will be returning for a big anniversary year. So, you know. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Well, that's, I think, it for news. Is there anything else you guys wanted to cover? It's kind of a slow news week. We had the Starfire reveal for uh, Titans. Mm-hmm. The costume? Yeah, yeah, costume reveal. Yeah, Titans, now that it's on HBO Max, is actually getting uh, advertising. Weird. 
Yeah, I know. They have a marketing team, it seems like now. So they're doing a pretty great job so far. I've seen it all over the internet. Uh, of They're basically doing like puzzles where they release a piece each day or each couple of days or whatever. Um, and, and revealing the new costumes for some of these characters for season three. Um, this is Titans on HBO Max we're talking about, if I didn't say that. But uh, yeah, and they, they revealed Starfire's costume. And she looks, I mean, different than comics, but really cool, I think. Um, so it makes me excited. They got that HBO Max budget for the uh, costumes now. The next one, I think, is Beast Boy. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting. I'm, I'm happy that a show that doesn't have the best writing, but it's still pretty enjoyable, uh, is getting some actual advertising and maybe you'll get a little little bit better. Uh, where we'll be looking back and going, oh, you just got to power through the first two seasons and then it gets good. <laughs> because certainly the last season did not end very well no i don't think either season ends very well it's very clear that they wanted more and they got cut off yeah but unfortunately hawk and dove were the only ones that had really amazing costumes so i'm excited to see they were the best storyline on the show in my opinion too so they got everything good yeah i mean robin's costume is good the Isn't new it? Nightwing costume. Well, no, Robin's costume has been good. Uh, I guess I liked his first costume, yeah. but his his was the only one that had any budget. Yeah, I just think that the they all pale in comparison to how hard they went for Hawk and Dove. It's true. You're right. <laughs> They're like true. these are the least popular characters. We got to make them the fucking coolest, and they did. It worked. Yeah. And if you remember when uh, before the show even came out, when we were just getting like random shots people were bitching about the costumes and how bad they look and why is starfire wearing this hooker jacket and hooker boots or whatever they said why is starfire uh, black why is uh beast boy asian now she has the coolest fucking costume in in the you know all the dc shows basically she's got the coolest costume i think or one of them for sure it Um, looks great it looks really really good and she's flying in one of the pictures which is great because we haven't gotten to see her fly yet yeah, I'm looking forward to season three. I mean, I'm probably more looking forward to Doom Patrol coming back just because. Wow, it's a yeah, better show. It's Doom but... Patrol and it's amazing. But yeah, this is a good sign though, right? Like moving to HBO Max was, I mean, I think we all agreed was probably the right call anyway, but this is showing a positive direction. Yep. Agreed. Uh, some kind of like bad news for DC stuff to, you know, at least in my opinion, so Black Lightning is going to be ending after this next season in 2021, which adds to the, the list of the ever-changing face of the Arrowverse or whatever they're calling it now. They're not calling it the Arrowverse anymore, which pisses Stephen Amell off. That's another <laughs> yeah, story. Yeah, wh- I forget what they changed it to, but it's, it's definitely... It's verse, isn't it now? No, it's something not good. <laughs> oh. Something not good. Because uh, verse is fine because it encompassed all of them nicely, so I, I don't have a problem with that, really. But... Yeah, so Supergirl... they brought Swamp Thing in, Swamp Thing in, and that's not really CW. It's, I mean, it's airing on the CW, but it's right. originally, uh, yeah, the whole thing is weird. Well, but the, you know, Supergirl started on CBS, and Star Girl started oh, yeah, on DCU, and Swamp Thing started on DCU. So it's, we'll we'll see what kind of comes of Swamp Thing. I can't imagine CW can afford to make Swamp Thing, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, last year we had the big massive crossover. It brought everybody together onto the same earth. And finally, what a lot of us were wanting for a really long time. 
and probably took too long to get there for people like me. You immediately end Arrow. We knew that that was coming, but that happened. And now we have Supergirl ending, Black Lightning's ending. Batwoman has to go a completely different direction because they lost Ruby Rose. She, she quit the show. That may be good. That may be bad. We don't know yet. So that kind of leaves us with Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. We've got the addition of Stargirl. And now we've got the new Superman Lois show coming and in Swamp well. Thing. Which may or may not get new content. I don't, I mean, right. it's just, it's just a rehab. Hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a weird place over there on the CW right now. And Supernatural's ended. So now it's really just the DC network. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't really bother me that much. I kind of tuned out of all those shows after uh, whatever Crisis. Is that what it was? The big, the big thing with Arrow? last year his yeah. ending yeah after that i i haven't watched any of the shows and black lightning was one i never got into anyway so uh you know it's i feel bad for the actors i've heard a lot of good things about the show uh so yeah it's a little disappointing but we'll be curious to see what happens to all these shows in the future there's already been drama about uh the lois and clark show uh yeah, yeah so and it just sometimes it's completely unintentional and it's coincidental but it's a bad look right the two shows ending in 2021 are the one led by a woman and the one led by a black man you know and right. uh it's not a great look whether or not that that was the thought process i mean we, we don't know there's a lot of factors i'm sure in, in both cases but you know the flash is still going strong legends of tomorrow of course is is a very large cast of people so um we'll just have to see what happens all right. Well, I think that is a good place to stop our news segment. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking Tron Legacy 10 years later. We'll be right back. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Right, and we are back. We are back to talk Tron Legacy. Came out December 17, 2010. It has been nearly a decade. We were going to review it later in December, but we're doing our Merry Cagemas for Nick Cage instead because why not? It'll be fun. So um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So Tron Legacy is the direct sequel to the 1982 film Tron. It came out with, you know, pretty quiet weekend it took first place brought in over 44 million dollars beating out yogi bear that's right yogi bear was its big contender opening weekend um it did have some other stuff like the chronicles of one of the chronicles of narnia movies uh fun fact though the very next week it was beat out by another jeff bridges movie true grit so jeff bridges was a popular guy in 2010 the movie had somewhere between 170 and a $200 million budget. I've seen reports of both at this point, so I can't say for certain, and pulled in about $400 million worldwide. All right. So before we get too far, uh, Ryan, had you seen both Tron movies before this weekend? Okay. So for total transparency, uh -oh. 
I did not watch Tron as a rewatch. And oh, you're not okay. gonna like this, Derek. I'm not a big fan of that movie in the, general. The original Tron? The original Tron. I feel it's kind of a slog to get through. Um, it's not that interesting. And uh, I, you know, the only thing really notable about it is the effects. Other than that, the movie is not that great. And uh, I just didn't feel like rewatching it. But yes, I have seen it. It's been a very long time since I've seen it um, because I don't really feel ever feel like watching that again. But um, Tron Legacy, I had seen before, but I had forgotten a lot about it, uh, including like the entire ending. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I thought it ended on a train scene and I must have been confusing it with another movie or something. I don't really know. But uh, I'm curious. Yeah, me too. But uh, yeah, uh, I had seen it before, not often, but uh, you know, I think I saw it in theaters maybe, and then never really watched it again on the list. So, okay. And Ray, what was your Tron status before this weekend? I had never seen either one of them. I had bought a special edition DVD back in like 2003. I tried multiple times to watch it and kept falling asleep. So okay. I got rid of it for like gas money. Um, cool. 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 Yeah. 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 Uh, this is my first time actually seeing both movies. Good. And I did not fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, this might come as a surprise to, to Ryan. I don't know, but I'm of the opinion that Tron Legacy is the superior film in literally every way, other than the fact that the concept for the grid did originate in the first film. Other than that, everything in Legacy is better than the first movie. Which is saying a lot because most of the things in Legacy are not really that great. So, (laughs) Well, we'll get to that. But I just want to be clear. Like, I love the original movie for very specific reasons. Uh, the concept mainly, the technology mainly, but you know, it's not like it has um, an incredibly, an incredibly written story or script. It's not like Oscar acted material or anything like that. And the score leaves much to be desired. So I don't hold the original up on some special objective pedestal or anything like that. I personally love it, but I know what it is. A slog. I mean, I, I don't think I would call it a slog because I don't think it's that long to call it a slog. But if it's I, short and it feels like a slog, I'm not saying something. I understand what you mean. I, I don't, I wouldn't call it a slog. I wouldn't use that term because it's, okay. I mean, it's only an hour and a half. So I, I don't know. I think that's a little. Okay. It feels like three hours. <laughs> Damn. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about Tron legacy though. And I mean, if we reference the original at any point, that's fine. But the, the focus here is really for legacy on its you know 10, 10th anniversary here. Um, so what let's, let's start with, with, can this. we acknowledge how long you've been wanting to do this episode, Derek? Cause ever since like I've known you, years. I know I've known you're a huge fan of this movie and just Tron in general, but especially this movie. And somehow we've managed to make it this long without talking about it, really. Um, so I want to just bring up the fact that Derek is very excited and has been ever since we decided we were doing this one. Yes, Which... I... 
I love the, I love these movies. I love this universe. I love the concept. I'm wearing my Flynn's arcade shirt. You know, um, I even have, so, so for some backstory, when this movie was coming out, it had a fairly large viral campaign. I'm not, I'm not into that usually, but I did get into it for this film. So I have an NCOM badge with my, my photo on it. Yeah, um, I'm looking at it. Yeah. It's up in the office. Uh, I got to see a preview of the movie. I want to say it was 16 minutes. Don't quote me on that. Maybe it was like 12 or it was definitely double digit minutes where they basically showed from the gr- where you see Sam's garage to where he ends up in the grid. So they could show how the 3d worked because the 3d in this movie is different than most other films. The real world is two dimensional and the grid is three dimensional and it was shot in 3d. It was not post-production 3d. Uh, it basically was the next step in the camera technology James Cameron used for avatar a couple of years prior. So they did a big, big preview of that. So yes, I, I was very excited to have an excuse to rewatch these cause I don't get to do it often. And yeah. So there you go. Okay. Um, Ryan, since you'd seen legacy before, I am curious though, did you think, did you remember it being better or worse before you went and rewatched it? I think I remembered it being better. Okay. Um, there was a lot of things that were more disappointing to me now. Maybe it's because I am a part-time critic, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it didn't, I don't know. It didn't feel like it hit the same beats or had the same level of, uh, of enjoyment that I remembered. Of course, I also remembered it having scenes that it didn't actually have. And I don't know where those came from in my head. I can still see them. I can still see them playing out in my head. So I don't know where those came from, but yeah. Okay. It's it, it was it was fine. I, it's just not great in my opinion. And yeah, like I said, I think I enjoyed it more in my memory than in the actual viewing. Fair enough. So Ray, what are your kind of general feelings on Legacy, especially as a newcomer who's never seen it before? Okay, so Legacy, um, is one of those movies where color is incredibly important. The inclusion of it, the absence of it, uh, the director was very purposeful. Now, he wasn't subtle at all. It was very obvious what he was doing. So um, I think the colors, the visuals are absolutely stunning. I think Garrett Hedlund was very well cast. I think Olivia Wilde was wonderful. Jeff Bridges was Jeff Bridges. Yeah, he was just playing himself in mm-hmm. the Tron movie. So yeah, if you the need thing any is more like, proof that Jeff Bridges is the dude. Yeah. I think it's this movie. So Flynn is Jeff Bridges in this movie. I believe that uh, Flynn was a completely separate character in the original Tron, but now he's just Jeff Bridges. And <laughs> Unfortunately, Clue was the character that really kind of made Jeff Bridges step outside of the dude persona, but the visuals on it was <laughs> the Robert Zemeckis, like Beowulf. Uh, it was worse than that. Come on. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Like Zemeckis, the, Zemeckis did Beowulf? Zemeckis did Beowulf as well that. as the Jim Carrey christmas carol and it's exactly what that reminded me of and because nothing else is like that i could not 
take it seriously. Basically, yeah. every time Clue was on screen, I was just hoping that he would be in the darkness or like yes. the screen camera would be from the back so that I didn't have to see his face because uh, Rachel, your your comparisons are very good. For me, it was like uh, like watching a video game's cutscene, uh, but it was only on his face. And so, like yeah. you know, you know that level of uh, uh, uncanny valley that you get in a video game. You know, even the newest ones, they have a weird uncanny valley on the face. It was like yes. that with him, but then it was also like he had a Snapchat filter to smooth it all out. I don't know. It was very weird. And I know that this was one of the early uh, attempts at de-aging. Maybe the yeah. first, if I remember right. It was the uh, first for a feature film. That yeah. wasn't completely makeup. Of course, they had used well, de-aging just makeup alone right. before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but it yeah, actually... it was that first scene when they fucking when they go around is like he's talking to the kid from behind. In my head, I'm oh. like, man, just just don't like go all the way around. Just like stay from the back. I know why you're doing it, and I'm okay with it. And then it just has to go all the way around, yep. and you see this like real kid next to Snapchat filter face uh, Jeff Bridges, and yeah, it it was like that every time he was on screen, and it was way distracting. And I understand that it's an older movie at this point, older technology, but. Fun fact, uh, the technology used was basically the same technology that they used in Benjamin Button to age him up. But okay. in, in reverse. That was a really fun fact. I thought it was interesting. I didn't know that until I was looking into it a little bit more this weekend. I thought they just took some like clip art of Jeff Bridges and like copy and pasted it over no, whoever they was didn't. playing Clue. So they 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 did have a different actor and he wore uh, three cameras on his face to to do the facial capture stuff. Um, and then they you know use this de aging technology. I'm not an expert on it, so I can't say for sure exactly how that works. But uh, it does explain why. Like I'm convinced that the Tron like Tron getting a re a different name as a bad guy was simply because they couldn't afford to do the de-aging on two people. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I think that's the old, like having Tron be a bad guy is a fine story point, whatever, but having his name and identity hidden is that reason I'm, I'm convinced. Yeah. There was only one time where Tron's helmet was off and it was because he is um kind of off to the side and in the back and it no it still didn't look that great no um i'm convinced that these movies are named tron because that's the cooler word because honestly <laughs> tron doesn't do a ton no he's like it's weird that he's the titular character well in the original he is the hero Right. He's the one who saves, who's, you know, fighting for the users and is saving the day. Right. Sure. But in this one, it's like he's barely in the movie. Sure. But it's it's a sequel. So they wanted to keep them the brand recognition. That's all. I Thanks think that makes sense. That. I just think that makes sense. Like that follows. Look, either way, I think it's should have been Flynn this whole time. Yeah. Like, Which is still a cool word. Right. Yeah. You know? But it's not like cyberpunky. I don't know. I think it kind of, I don't know. It has some vibes. Maybe that's just because of Tron that in my head, I think of that, but. Well, cause like, I mean, I would name a son Flynn. I'm not going to name a son Tron. That would be pretty cool. I would fight for the <laughs> fight for you to name a kid Tron. Honestly, he would fight for our users. That's right. Maybe if you like the movies more, Ryan. Yeah, that's probably a good point. It's still a cool <laughs> word regardless of the movie quality. Um, 
so I, I didn't think the de-aging was as bad as you guys said, just based on when it happened. It's obviously not anywhere near what they, what we can do today. I want to say that like, I didn't say it was bad because put myself in 2010 and good for them for trying. I said that it was jarring whenever it was on screen. Because it didn't match anything else. That's not good. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, you didn't use the word bad, but I feel like that's a fair inference. Whatever. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's move away from the de aging, right? Um, let's let's talk about the rest of the visuals, though the the grid itself, with you know the suits, those types of things. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Is there something that you would have preferred a different way? Um, I visually, that's the biggest compliment I can give this movie is that visually it's, it's really beautiful. Um. I almost feel like this movie was just made to show off the 3D technology and uh, visual technology. I mean, and that was another part that stood out. Like when you're talking about Jeff Bridges de-aging versus like the CGI for everything else in the movie, uh, there was a huge contrast there too because the quality of everything else holds up even today. Um, All the outfits looked really cool and those were mostly practical. So, you know, I... I can understand that. Uh, from what I understand, they had to have a ton of battery packs, and the battery packs only lasted like six minutes or something. Twelve. So yeah, twelve minutes. 12 yeah. Minutes. yeah. So it was insane uh, trying to keep those things going. But um, you know, yeah, all, all the visuals in the movie, outside of the weird spatial CGI, I thought was really beautiful, and it still is. Uh, I have always thought Tron's aesthetic was very cool, and wanted to see more in it. And I think this movie really did a good job with uh, kind of bringing modern more modern fashion into that world ray any anything to add to that uh no no i mean nothing new the visuals are what make these films exceptional it's why we're still talking about them how many uh, the stories are kind of loosey-goosey they have a they have a decent premise but the writers just could not hold up to it, in my opinion. They couldn't elevate it to something incredible. The movies are in the zeitgeist because of the visuals. Everything. like The visuals from the first Tron may be a little startling now because we're just so used to different things. But back in 82, that was incredible and the outfits in my opinion still hold up as incredibly fascinating and fun sci-fi uh so i i love the visuals the grid is one of the coolest sci-fi settings whether it's 1982 or 2010 yeah and the light cycles looked good mm-hmm. all the all the vehicles looked good i mean Pretty much everything was was on point. Yeah. Yeah, the, the vehicles, the light cycles specifically, were actually the the test that was shown to Disney when they pitched the idea for a sequel. The guys, they, they put together a short teaser, and you can still find what ended up being the official version of the teaser online. And uh, they added some stuff from the real movie into it later to, to tie it in. But the original was just to show, here's what we think Tron could look like in modern day. And um, the light cycles were the, the focus of that. And they, they are really cool 
enhancement on the originals. The originals were a very iconic concept. You can get like a million different free and cheap like mobile games where you can use light racers and they still all look like they come straight from Tron, you know? Uh, but the, the new ones were pretty cool. I, I liked that they did the lighting practical. I think it would have been very easy to not you know, the original doesn't have practical lights as it was all added in post. And so doing mm -hmm. that again would not have been, you know, a change from that standpoint. I think it took a lot of determination to try and do that for real. And that must've been really frustrating to only get 12 minutes, you know, because it takes time to set up and shoot and everything. And if you need more than one take, you're probably going to need a different battery pack every single time. So that's, that's a pretty big deal. Other, other than that, though, so some interesting stuff. The, the movie only shot for 64 days, but the post-production was 68 weeks. And that's because of those visuals. The, the grid itself is one of my favorite fictional locations that anyone's ever put to screen. Um, I do think it's gorgeous. And, uh, you know, the original is cool. I, I love where it came from, right? You wouldn't have had this one otherwise. But this one is like exactly what i would have had in my head for this type of thing and i think that's really cool if i would knock something specific it's that i think one of the things that it, it loses some gravitas to its story when they get towards the end and clue has his army because it didn't have any weight to it if that makes sense it didn't feel real it felt like very superficial like even more so than say like the clone trooper army in attack of the clones or something like that. It just, you knew it wasn't there and it just didn't feel like a real threat. Well, I think that comes from, you don't really ever see the army do anything. You just see them gathered. Um, you know, anybody can gather a big group of people together. It's not really that hard. <laughs> um, as far as the grid, I, the only part that I was like, okay, I, I don't know. They might've gone a little far with this. There's one part where uh, Tron gets like knocked out of his airplane or whatever, and he falls and he goes into virtual water, which apparently shuts down his virtual armor. And it's like, okay, so is the grid exactly like the real world where electronics are affected by water? Like was it, none of that is ever the physics of the grid aren't really explained. Mm -hmm. I don't think, unless I've just missed it. Well, uh, his, his armor doesn't shut down. It changes back. Oh, well, it just goes black as far well, as I could tell. But then it lights back up blue. The, the, While the he's scion. underwater? Yeah. So the idea is in that scene, it's that he's broken free of Clue, right? So like, yeah, he's fallen in, in like digital water. It's like water, he's ba baptized, but... basically. <laughs> it's, it's a baptism reference. Obviously. I guess so. I mean, that might, that might be what it is. I, I never took it that way. I mean, that um, seems like what it is, but, but that's I, mean, I didn't, yeah. I must've missed that. Yeah. Uh, so basically, cause like, that's when he, he turns against clue and knocks them both down. And when he hits in the water, the lights go out and come back on cyan. Gotcha. So uh, I missed that second part. I just thought it was weird that water has this effect yeah. in the, in, in this fake, you know, digital world. You would think the one thing they would fix is like how water affects electronics since the whole thing is a digital, but anyway. It shouldn't be water, right? Why right. does water it's, even exist? So yeah, it's it's not water. It's a wall. It's it's power. I mean, whatever it is, it looks well, like water. That's, that's a good point. Is it the power lake that you have in the original? Yes. Oh, okay. So then, that's yeah, exactly that when, what it's supposed to be. 
Okay. So then in that case, then it's powering them back up and it restores them to his original state. So then blowing somebody up out of their jet is not really a bad thing. You're basically just making them more powerful. So what, you know, well, they're getting them away from the chase. I mean, that was the whole, the whole goal. Yeah. But then he wakes up, he's more powerful and you just got to reach. You you just got to pull out another thing out of your pocket and turn into another jet and you're good to go. Assuming you have one. Yeah. Yeah. You just keep like 20 of them on you. It's no big deal. They're just little sticks. (laughs) So, from our conversation, I can come to the conclusion that there should have been less exposition from Jeff Bridges. From everyone, really, in my opinion. But yeah, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, I mean, Flynn's character has to do all the explaining, right? He's the one that disappears and he Well, him and the other guy from NCOM that comes in and visits him or whatever. Yeah, Bradley. Yeah. And... There should have been more explanation of the grid, how it had evolved, and like you said, the physics of it, what you can and can't do. Uh, And in my opinion, you don't have Clue look like Flynn. So Flynn, like just a few small tweaks and Flynn... Uh, Clue could have also been played by Garrett Headland, and because c- it's you know Clue 2.0, Clue was already in the first Tron and he was killed off, and that solves the uncanny valley horrible CGI mess. And they could have added all that money to doing the lights in post production and saved themselves some batteries. Um. Derek was like cringing the whole time you were saying that, just in case you didn't notice. Well, because like cause it physically pained him to hear you say I that. Sam actually, wasn't an adult yet, so uh, yes, I had, understand like, that. So you're gonna have like six year old Clue? No, I mean that would have been much cooler in my opinion. <laughs> I would have loved to see six year old Clue. No, I am smart enough to know that there was technology that the FBI used to age up missing children, and in this fun little world here Flynn was one of the smartest men in the world who came up with Wi-Fi in 1985 so he could have done that pretty easily didn't he ask what Wi-Fi was in Tron Legacy well he asks what is it when Sam explains it he goes oh yeah I had that idea back in 85 he he just wouldn't have called it Wi-Fi right yeah um so i don't know it depends on how the lore shakes out i don't know the answer to this but at some point it was solidified that your programs look like the person who wrote them because your your essence is part of them so it's not a choice it's not something you decide it's just something that happens again he has completely changed the grid he has designed it so that's that's what i'm saying like he could have made this could have been the first program that looks like somebody else and you know that's all i'm saying i don't think we need to dive too deep into this guys (laughs) i was just trying to point out we're losing viewers as we speak it's fine it's all good uh (laughs) so what do you guys think of the concept of the isomorphs yeah that's fine yeah honestly, honestly uh, plot wise i didn't care about like 90 percent of what happened in this movie it was there's no gravity to anything it's like the dude committed genocide and you know it's you know typical bad guy crap there's a beam going into the sky and you know 
all this all the typical tropes that you get but as yeah. like a tech person the idea of, a, of the isomorphs in like our in the real world that doesn't that's not appealing of a concept i mean i guess i don't really honestly i don't put that much thought into it in the movie that it was a fine plot point it was not that exciting to me in terms i mean olivia wilde was great and uh but it was super predictable from the beginning that, that's what so when the big reveal happens it's like okay it's not that exciting okay. i don't know right. I, it didn't thrill me as much as it seemed to be uh something you really liked so i didn't really it, it, it didn't really do anything for me now olivia wilde on the other hand cora was incredibly cool and i think that's because in a time of badass female action stars wearing tight clothing and not really getting to be you know great actors um she got to do some real acting instead of Cora being stoic, like ultraviolet, like Aeon Flux, like Celine from Underworld. Uh, she got to have the cool wonder and curiosity that children have. And she got to be a happy character. And I thought that was really neat. Like <clears throat> it, she smiled and it, it's so small, but just looking at the action movies that I'm comparing it to, you know, it was so common to hire these women and have them stand out, but they they did nothing but, like, weird kicks and poses in their skin-tight outfits. So well, she did some of that, too, but it's... Oh, uh, yeah, but they added on top of that, she actually got to have right. a personality. It's so true. So that was cool. She was a good character, I, although the ending of the movie does lead to a lot of questions about what her character, like the actual biology of her Absolutely. character. Is she going to age? Opinion, is she going to age like when they inevitably have sex because that's clearly they were like a love thing. <laughs> does she have a womb? Does she have a vagina? Like, does she need to pee? Does she need to eat? Like, it shows her eating at one point in the grid, but does, I mean, well, you know, the whole biology thing because you've seen humans go into the grid and come out so you but they were human going in and coming out human is not that big of a deal but this is not that this also is a, feminist thing, thing real. that i absolutely love they showed her eating and so many movies don't show women eating they'll show men eating but women will be sitting there across the table just pushing food on their plate i'm like oh you poor thing <laughs> I, I guess her going into the real world never bothered me because if it works one way, why doesn't it work the other way? Well, because they're going they're going inhuman, becoming digital, and then coming out human. She's starting out digital and becoming human. We don't know what what is she in the real world? Is she flesh and blood? I mean, what is, what is she? She's going from code to. I mean, what? It's still a collection of atoms. I don't know. I guess it it works one way so and then so it should work the other way i mean it's still i mean i don't know it's just it, so i'm just saying it's it leads to a lot of questions there's nothing that's been established in universe at all before so they never did any kind of they didn't have time since the end of the movie they didn't really have any time to do any kind of explanation on any of the ramifications of that so it's it didn't bother me per se it just mm -hmm. led me at the end of the movie to go huh i wonder if she has to poop <laughs> fair enough i guess i didn't really have that thought no, I well, think if she eats, more than most people. <laughs> if she eats power, I assume she has to use it at some point. Yeah. 
That's or, true. you know, lose it at some point. Use it, you either use it or you lose it. <laughs> Derek is not happy with the way this, this has gone. It's fine. I just, that never, I never really put much thought into the day-to-day aspect of it. I just assumed it worked one way, so it would work a different way. Okay. That's all. Well, I'm glad it worked for you. Yeah. It's all good. No big deal. So, okay. Um, what What else? Let's talk about the soundtrack a bit, because... The first movie, you know, I think one of the things that plagues it is the lack of a really iconic soundtrack. And especially given when it came out in 1982 or as a sci-fi flick, you had a lot of really big scores. You know, there was Star Wars and Star Trek. You had Indiana Jones coming out soon. Uh, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey had been out already. Lots of really big productions. And the score in the original Tron is very, very forgettable. But this one that really sticks with me. It, it's kind of like an earworm for me. It gets stuck in my head for days after watching it. It's all done by Daft Punk who actually show up in the movie. They're in the bar scene. They're the DJs in the bar, which I always just personally enjoyed. What did you guys think of the soundtrack? You know, I'm not a big soundtrack guy in general, um, unless it's like really stands out. I wouldn't say like, I'm going to listen to this in my car or anything like that. Uh, maybe if I'm like driving really fast or something, I might listen to some of it because it's kind of cool electronic music, but it works really well in the movie. And, and I am a fan of Daft Punk uh, outside of the movie verse. So it was cool to see them involved and see them pop up uh, in the movie. Um, it's certainly not the best movie soundtrack I've ever heard, but I think that it was really well done and suited the, the movie very well. I completely agree. Um, I'm not a Daft Punk fan really at all, but I think there are two kinds of great soundtracks. The first one's the one where you come out singing all the songs, and the second one is one that blends in so well you're fully immersed in the world, and that is absolutely what Daft Punk did. If they are going to fit into any world, it's definitely Tron's world. Absolutely. Fair enough. We uh, we should probably consider wrapping up the conversation and moving on to our talks of The Mandalorian. But is there, is there anything else uh, on Tron that you guys want to, to touch on? Is there any aspect of the movie, good or bad, that you think is worth mentioning? No. Not specifically. And there was one part that bothered me where uh, he, where Sam finally gets the, uh, his dad's ring back or whatever. And then when some dude shows up to fight him, I think it might've been Tron. He just immediately throws it. It's like, because they wanted him to have the two, two uh, discs, discs, right? And so he gets his dad's disc, which is apparently the most powerful MacGuffin in the movie. And then he immediately throws it at somebody. It's like, okay, come on. Let's get out of here with this crap. Anyway, that, I don't know why that bothered me so much, but it did. Fair enough. I don't think they can. I don't think you can catch somebody else's ring when it's thrown. Based Is that ever on, established? Based on the two films and watching the games in the in the two films and how everything plays out, it's never done. No one ever tries to catch. Though. But nobody ever tries. Like, not even Tron tries to catch somebody else. But you game. also can't just stop the momentum and then pick it up off the ground? I, I don't know. It's never done. You never see a ring stop. I'm just a saying, ring. from watching this movie, 
I just, I was like, why doesn't somebody just like hit it with a stick and stop it? I mean, I understand, I understand, but I just don't think you can physically stop a ring when it's thrown. Okay. Well, they probably should have done a little bit more, even just a one line going like, wow, once the ring, once the ring is leaves your hands, it, it's going to come back and nobody can stop it or something like that would have been better. I mean, the movie shows you that. Like we, we complain about exposition a lot. The movie does show that. It shows it coming back, but it doesn't show that it can't be stopped is what I'm saying. Well, how do you show something can't happen? <laughs> I mean, you show somebody try and do it and then failing. They have like their hand blown off or something? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay. I guess that could have been one way for a character. It does go through arms, I guess, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right, we can go on to Mandalorian now. That's a stupid Ray, complaint anyway. Ray, Ray, was there anything you wanted to add? I said no. You said no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, the, the only last thing I wanted to kind of mention that is just interesting of, of note to, to me anyway. So the, uh, the director, Joseph Kaczynski, he, this was his first uh, feature film to direct. Uh, and it also holds the record for the largest budget for a directorial debut. So just thought that was kind of interesting. Cool. Um, there's also mm-hmm. a fun little like Marvel connection that is is kind of cute when you think about it. So, you know, Iron Man came out in 08. This came out in, in 2010, though its long production cycle means that they were both in production around the same time. Jeff Bridges is in, is in both. And they both have a scene where Jeff Bridges is flying straight up and then goes so high, the engines cut out and he falls back down. <laughs> i thought it was funny okay all right you guys are really no fun at all i'm gonna go ahead and take a break and when we come back we will talk i, mean, I take that personally but Mandalorian. whatever we're talking the mandalorian chapter 12 the siege maybe we'll be more fun because we like the mandalorian <laughs> all right Drop well, the this might be the last episode of screen heroes i don't know We'll we'll find out after the break. Stay tuned. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. So who wants to talk about the Mandalorian? I think we do. What would you like to say about it? I mean, I'm really glad I was able to understand this week's episode. They, they really dumbed it down for someone like me who has never seen anything else from uh, what's it? called star wards is it star wards star warns star i'm so glad we added this segment to our show you should be yeah baby yoda was the best in this episode spoiler spoiler warning for chapter 12 the siege of the mandalorian baby yoda doing like the roller coaster thing in the back of the razor crest was not something i knew i needed but now that i've seen Mm -hmm. it i need it all the time and then him like burbling up uh, vomit from the thing he stole from the kids. 
I swear to God, Baby Yoda is actually portrayed by my eight-week-old daughter because she makes the exact same noises. And aside from electrocuting herself, she does the exact same things. But and to be fair, it? we don't know where Kira was when the Mandalorian was being filmed. But she doesn't look like Baby Yoda, so therefore... No, I mean, she'd be inside the costume. It's not a costume. Okay, let's get real. <laughs> I mean, that's what they want you to believe. Let's get real. Uh, I loved the scene with uh, Baby Yoda doing the, like, him, him being dad mode and, like, trying to, no, no, the red wire goes into the where the blue wire was. And, you know, anybody who ever worked with their, worked on a car with their dad at some point in their childhood, uh, or even adulthood, probably, uh, knows what that's like. And that definitely made me go, oh, I know what that's like. And I'm equally as bad as Baby Yoda. I am ready for them to show the uh, scene where Baby Yoda is holding a flashlight for him. Yeah, exactly. That would have been like, the only thing better. Because uh, that is, like, my dad never let me work on a car with him, but he definitely had me hold a flashlight more than I wanted. I think everybody's been there. I was a flashlight, designated flashlight holder for many years. Mm-hmm. Carl I mean, Weathers directed this episode, too. He did. Fun fact. Uh, even funner fact. He has more res- fun fact. <laughs> he has responded to almost every tweet about this episode. So if you want to talk about it, go on Twitter. He is there and he is communicating with everybody. And Screen Heroes uh, sent him a tweet because you know we should we support should. Our, our dude. If only other people had access to the Twitter account. Yeah, if only. I don't know how to use Twitter, so. Mm. I mean, I don't have this access. I don't know why. Yeah, why is he saying it like we both have access to it? Because I can only send a password so many times. So, some interesting things that come up in this episode. We hear the term M count, which I assume means midichlorians. I thought it was macaroon count for how many macaroons Baby Yoda ate. It was four. By the way, he had four on camera. If you you go out and pay $50 for a dozen of those macaroons from Williams Sonoma, we need to have a talk. And also, why aren't you buying them from Rachel instead? Because she makes some bomb macaroons and she'll make them blue for you, I bet, for less than $50. I mean, if you want to. Yes. I, I think that's hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> the the milk from that weird animal in uh, Last Jedi was green, by the way. It was not. We blue. don't speak of that scene. It was so disturbing. <laughs> like grown well, men was, shouldn't breastfeed off of anything. I thought it was interesting that they brought up midichlorians because they basically have ignored that in the entire sequel trilogy, and here we're to believe that little baby Yoda. Has a very high midichlorian count. Yay, baby Yoda. It's assumed, yeah, they don't really mention the child or anything like that during that recording, but it's assumed that they're talking about they need him to complete these. And it's kind of implied that they're using this, whatever they're doing to make little, the the early Snokes or the Palpatine clones, one of the two. Because one of them in the tank looks like Snoke all the way down to like the crease on the head man what a waste of a character it was but it's cool if they're going to give him some like more 
you know, development or whatever he came from more development, then that makes it a little better at least. A little mm-hmm. bit, yeah. Yeah. So I do mean, you guys could... think it's Emperor clones or do you think it's Snokes? I think it's more likely Snokes than Emperor. Okay. But I also think it could be even, you know, prior to a Snoke concept of just trying to make, you know, a superior type soldier. And it ends up going down that route, like the technology leads to that. But I think it's a little premature to be like, no, it's the Emperor. Right. You know? It's hard to know based on what we're given, but yeah. de- definitely one of those things in the vats looks like Snoke. So that's like the that's the biggest clue for me. But it might have just been a visual nod. Also, it's hard it to did tell. just kind of remind me of Alien Resurrection, which is never really a good thing. Oh, there's a lot of alien references in this it's this season especially between yoda eating baby yoda eating the the egg and then having you know all the other eggs hatch and also there's there's several alien references but uh mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i could see that yeah uh the dark troopers which is a big one i guess we don't know for sure that's what they are although the the there's a version of the show you can watch where it has like descriptions of everything yeah um, descri- descriptive audio yeah, descriptive audio refers to them as dark troopers. Oh, okay. Um, so cool. that kind of confirms it. But dark troopers, if you aren't familiar, were from a uh, old Star Wars video game called uh, Dark Dark Forces, which is one of my favorite game series of all time, and uh, has never been in canon, and can't much of it can't really be in canon just because it counteracts what's already happened uh, with the new movies, but um dark troopers are very very cool and the prospect of seeing those in live action is very exciting Mm -hmm. and i know you guys can't be excited about it and you're probably super confused because uh you've never played the video game and that must be extremely confusing to you Uh, but us fans of the video game all know and we have our own memes we're making about it so well look don't don't forget okay you can't be a gamer or a star wars fan if you haven't played ms dos compatible star wars games that's right get your shit together guys yeah no Rachel, to be fair has never really claimed to be a star wars fan i don't think in all seriousness though dark forces is awesome yes the second one the first one isn't as great but the second one it really hits its stride i love and you can get them for super cheap on uh on steam so fair enough i still have my original cd i don't because i transferred all my cd keys to steam but yeah i didn't know you could do that you could back in the day i don't know if you still can that's interesting i didn't know that. anyway moving on star wars stuff star wars stuff Uh, the next episode is likely where we're going to see ahsoka because now his ship got repaired in about two seconds and uh uh yeah he's the next episode is directed by dave filoni and is entitled the jedi i believe so he did uh tweet a picture of ahsoka earlier this week so So. it seems very likely my guess is like in the last two minutes we see like a shadowed shot of her and that's all we get it's like the daredevil suit you know exactly (laughs) in the very last episode of the the show you get like the suit in the last five seconds yeah yeah i'm hoping that's not the case and that this is like a whole episode for her but you know i don't think i think they're gonna milk her out through the end or through the last few episodes of the season it's only eight episodes right yes so we don't have that many episodes. This will be episode five or four? Four, I think. Five. Is it five? Yeah, because we had eight eight episodes in the first season, and we're this this is going to be chapter 13. So this will okay. be episode five. Yeah. yeah. So we only have three episodes after this, and I'm guessing it all ends with a climactic fight between uh, Moff Gideon with the Darksaber and Ahsoka. Probably. So, you know, yeah. I'm looking forward to that, but... Um, yeah. 
I, I am a little annoyed about the ship and that's part of the story. So, you know, his ship is basically destroyed and it is repaired in like an hour and a half. But I think what bothers me the most about this is they knew well enough to have somebody down there who could communicate and could plant a bug, but shouldn't, couldn't they have just sent a ship to oh, intercept boy. him? I'm not too worried about all the little logistics of everything. You know, he flew away with his jetpack and then got the ship and back to the place in like less than five minutes. So, you know, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, you, it is a little weird, but I mean, nitpicking it doesn't, you know, come on. So that's what we do. It is, but this isn't a Mandalorian podcast. So we're not going to spend an hour nitpicking it. All right. All right. uh, The scene with uh, the speeder on the ground, whatever that transport was, Mm -hmm. was very cool. I loved all the shots that were like inside. You don't usually get a lot of, uh, a lot of things happening inside of a small vehicle like that, but uh, that was really cool to see. It was good seeing the speeders again, the speeder bikes. Uh, And how inept scout troopers are. Yeah. They're just terrible. Aren't they? They're the worst at their job man like first you get like two, uh, two of them crash on the way down the mountain <laughs> yeah yeah before they even like start chasing anything they're just dead right and then one goes on the side i don't know what they thought they were going to do they only have forward guns to my knowledge so right. i don't know like what they thought they were going to do it was just, yeah and yeah. then car of doom like smashes one into the, ro- the side yep. of the thing she's like yeah yeah i'm like that dude had a family like why are you cheering that <laughs> you just mur- murdered him I mean, he's a stormtrooper, man. I guess, but I mean, they're not. They're all. Di- we know they're all different now. They're not. But all they just, just got like, done killing a bunch of stormtroopers. I know, but I guess this one I just felt really bad for because most of the time they're not like cheering after they kill them, and it's like it just seems a little morbid. That's all. And it wasn't just like a blaster shot that instantly like it was like you got squished. That's a terrible way to go. Just saying. So you want to talk how like you know inept the the scout troopers are but the tie pilots were equally bad that's true if not worse everybody that works for the empire is is the worst at their job come on you have this transport it's a big rectangle moving on the ground in basically a straight line and three tie fighters can't take it down well then we also have uh the guy bring up the the fact there's no guardrails on any empire facilities which was great it was a family guy joke uh, i laughed at that <laughs> it's a family guy joke on their on their uh, star wars stuff blue they harvest. did but yeah, yeah blue harvest but then on this it was it was pretty funny to see something in universe acknowledge that they're like they said we'd be leaning all day uh, <laughs> so good ray any any thoughts on this episode that you'd like to add so uh, Horatio Sands plays the blue alien that is working off his debt for grief. And uh, if you don't know who he is, he is a huge stoner who was on uh, Saturday Night Live for many years. And, and he was he great just... on Saturday Night Live. I Absolutely. actually didn't know that was Cracks him until up. you made that post. I had no oh, idea yeah. that that was him. Yep, totally him. That's funny. Um, and then... Again, Appa from Kim's Convenience is back, and he is just a delight. Uh, he has a really silly line when he asks Kara if she lost somebody when Alderaan was born. To blown be fair, up. both um, of those lines were stupid as fuck. I mean, they they were not good. They weren't well written. Like, yeah, yeah, she lost people when her planet blew. Duh. Yeah, big surprise. But then Duh. her being like. 
I lost everything. It was like, oh, okay, we get it. The whole back and forth was bad because at that point, like he's, he wants to get, he says, I'm sorry for your loss. Just say, I'm sorry and move on. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like uh, one of those people that come to the door that push their religion on you. It's like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was not good. And then he leaves, you know, the rebel. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, now you're recruited. So deal with it. I mean, that would be a convenient way to write her off the show. If that's what they want to do. I'm just wink, giving them wink. options. Yeah. Wink, get, wink. Hey, hey, Disney, you know, when you're taking notes on t- uh, this week's episode, you know, like Disney bring back Bo Katan. <laughs> yeah. And if that's the only time we see her, I can't imagine it. Will be be. We've got to see her in the last episode when they go after the Darksaber. I can't imagine she'd sit that out. She'll be back. Yeah. If, I mean, if she's not back this season, she'll be back next season. There's no way. Yeah. It seems, seems like, well, it. You know, they're they're looking to spawn off or spin off many whatever. I I mean, I think that's why this show is so episodic so they can find out what hits home, what they can create other uh, franchises out of. That's fair. You know, they uh, Feige said not too long ago that the future of Marvel, the MCU is on Disney plus and, you know, Kathleen Kennedy has said the same about star Wars. So they're, they're looking for spinoffs here. Totally. All right. Well then I think that's a good place to stop this week on the screen heroes podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's show next week. We are celebrating our fifth anniversary as a podcast we started way back december of 2015 and we are celebrating five years next week uh, on that episode so please uh, check that out enjoy our anniversary episode i'm looking forward to recording it with my two hosts who have been with me with which which will be our 228th episode when we're recording it which is just crazy that's to think just about. this podcast that's yeah. we've done mm-hmm. other stuff before this so we have. even more than that it's pretty crazy it's a pretty yeah. crazy time so that's, that's good stuff. You can find us at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or heroespodcast.com. The show is available on podcast apps like Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. So please find us in your podcast app of choice. And if you leave us a review, we will read your review on the show and discuss it if it's you know interesting. So please do that. We appreciate it. It helps people find the show if you review us. So I would appreciate that. Ray, where can people find you? I am at Siren Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Ryan, where can people find you? I am at Buster Props on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Awesome. And I am at the Star Trek Dude on Twitter. You can come talk to me out there if you would like to. Like I said, we are Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show. We will catch you next week. End of line. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, 
cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.